0: Listen, church, all who have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church, hear the word of the Lord. A new day is dawning upon the remnant church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church that Jesus is building. God declared through the prophet Isaiah, the former things have all now come to pass. Now I will do a new thing. Will you be aware of it? O friends of God, Believers in Christ, that is the question God is posing to you today. The cloud of God's Spirit is moving. Will you move with it? Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. now i declare new things now i declare new things that title is taken from the first passage of our three foundation scriptures isaiah 42 9 behold the former things have come to pass now i declare new things before they spring forth i proclaim them to you and then in isaiah forty-three eighteen and 19 God says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And then Isaiah 48, six through eight, I proclaim to you new things from this time, even hidden things which you have not known. They are created now and not long ago. And before today, you have not heard them, so that you will not say, behold, I knew them. You have not heard, you have not known. As these passages of scripture clearly indicate, our Father God is a God of new things. That is the overall premise of each segment of this teaching series, which premise is corroborated by a host of Scripture passages in addition to the ones we've cited in this series, as well as by a host of the types and shadows of the Old Testament, which we are informed happened as an example, as a type, to speak to us believers today, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Having just addressed in the previous segment Abraham and his new thing, now in this segment I want to address Elijah and his new thing likewise when through his own prophetic declaration god brought forth a three year long drought/famine in all the land god told elijah go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook cherith which means cutting place which is east of the jordan and it shall be that you shall drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. There, at the place he told him to go, away from where he had been living, God told Elijah he would provide for him. Now what would your reaction be to a word ostensibly from God that said that he was going to physically sustain you by commanding birds to bring you food. Yeah, right, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, would be most believers' reaction. But not Elijah, because you see, he had come to truly know God. And he knew that God could do anything, including making the birds do his bidding. But even if that was true, what purpose would there be in going to hide by a brook? What kind of victorious living is that? And what in the world could he possibly accomplish for God hiding out in solitude by a brook? But Elijah had learned to trust and obey. He knew God and his ways well enough to know that the process was more important to God than the produce. And in fact, the process would determine the produce. Though we are not given details of it, no doubt this period of being hidden away in obscurity where probably no one even knew where he was, indeed, was a very vital time of Elijah's preparation and training for what lay ahead, for where he was living now was the cutting place. God was cutting on the prophet, removing every hindrance in his mindsets and heart to him being all that God needed him to be in order to press through the obstacles that lie ahead and accomplish every assignment from God that awaited. We have no way of knowing what all those were, but I strongly suspect that one of them was his own physical sustenance. Having birds bringing him both bread and meat in the morning and then again in the evening must have been both humbling and awe-inspiring at the same time certainly this was a new paradigm that he had never been subjected to before in time when the brook dried up from the lack of rain and the scorching heat of the desert and the birds no longer came because they had to migrate to where there was food and water God again spoke to Elijah directing him to arise and go to Zarephath, a city in the territory of Sidon, outside of Israel's boundaries, and to stay there. As if the cutting place was not enough, now the Lord was directing him to the refining place, the meaning of Zarephath. At the refining place, the Lord informed him that it was not birds that would feed him now in this new dimension, but a widow woman. I have commanded a widow woman there to provide for you. It was one thing for birds to be the vessels God used for His provision to you, but it was quite another to have to receive God's provision from a widow woman, especially when the one little wrinkle in the plan was that she did not have a clue that this was God's plan and Elijah would have to be the one to tell her. Talk about new paradigms. This one no doubt sorely tried his theological pliability required him to adjust his thinking to comport with the new revelation God was giving him concerning who he was and his ways and means. The great prophet, who had come to know God so intimately that when he opened his mouth and said, Thus saith the Lord, it was God himself speaking through him, and what he declared came to pass was now being called by God to enter into yet another dimension of his spirit that God had not taken him into before and was previously unknown to him. God was doing a new thing and giving Elijah new wine of new revelation to drink in preparing and training him to be able to walk in the dimension of the Spirit that God would lead him into ahead. Enjoying this podcast? Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and have no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listener. SLM Inc. bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash SLM To give any amount. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, And graciousness. In this segment, I want to talk about pursuing God like David. There are those brave God chasers who do indeed want to operate in new dimensions of the Spirit. However, the problem is that often even they are not willing to leave their status quo their place of security and familiarity, their comfort zone, in order to move into the new dimension. Essentially, that is expecting God to be our step and fetch it, to bring it to us. But the longer you serve God, the more you become aware He never cooperates with or feeds our insecurity, spiritual laziness, and arrogance. He is not our servant. We are His. He is not the waiter who serves us at our spiritual table in the restaurant of the kingdom. He refuses to bring it to us, but requires that we rise up out of our present place, our present circumstances, our present perspective, and proactively pursue it, ask, seek, and knock. To receive from God what he wants to give us or take us into requires that we pursue not the thing, but him. He possesses the thing, because it is in actuality a part of who he is, a part. Of him. We have to rise up and go pursue God. The proof of genuine desire is pursuit. Pursuit validates desire. In all our spiritual journey, we must continually and repeatedly be like David, who was a man after the heart of God. So often, when preachers allude to this quality of David, they give the impression that it means that David's heart was so much like God's, but that is not what it means at all. Is God an adulterer and a murderer? Obviously not. David was a fallen creature, permeated with the sin nature just like all the rest of us. This description does not mean his heart was like God's. Rather, saying that he was after the heart of God meant that David was in pursuit of God. David's spiritual genius, if you will, was not that he was so perfect, but that he was a repenter, a quick repenter. Whenever he was confronted with his sin, he repented, and he had learned over his years of intimacy with and worship of God the faster the better. The longing of David's heart was intimacy, closeness, fellowship, communion with God, not merely in the time of crisis and extreme need, but all the time, every moment, of every day and unconfessed sin and wanton rebellion he had learned in his worship times negated or caused a breach in that intimacy. Repentance is what would remove the breach and restore the intimacy. So the further he traveled in his spiritual journey of intimacy with God, the faster he became at repenting. Because there was nothing, nothing that would satisfy him and bear the peace in his soul that his intimacy with God produced. The Real Truth Podcast is a production of Stephen Lambert Ministries, Inc., whose website is at slm.org. That's slm.org. In this segment, I want to talk about the church and new things. If the church is going to walk into this place of intimacy with God, cultivating His presence in our midst, in our gatherings— and having His continual presence in all our kingdom endeavors. We must pursue God the same way Abraham, Elijah, and David did. We must rise up out of our carefully crafted world we have created, our homeland, the status quo, repent of our idolatry, self-worship, and insecurity, and with fear and trembling begin to pursue God, not on our terms, but on His, not according to our ways, but His. We must be willing to leave the dimension we are presently abiding and operating in and walk into the new dimension that He had ordained and is calling us into. The new thing is God's purpose now, and it trumps the old things. Once the new thing, the new paradigm, is revealed, the old things, the old paradigm, has come to pass and are now obsolete and ineffectual in the spirit realm. They may retain some effectiveness in the natural realm, but they will only produce natural results, not kingdom fruit. Our craving for the presence of God, personally and corporately, must outweigh our desire for ostensible security and motivate us to move, to reposition ourselves on the other side of the line, separating the new from the old. The longer we resist the new pattern and model, the more of our spiritual and natural capital we are wasting in the boondoggle of the old dimension. Unfortunately, because it tends to become rigid, inflexible, intransigent, unmalleable, obstinate, and resistant to change, theologically and institutionally, the church suffers from bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. The cause of our bipolar or split personality is our attempt to behold and operate in the dimension of the spirit while abiding in the carnal realm. Even those who pride themselves on being spirit-filled, as if there is any other kind of Christian, or what I think they really mean, spirit baptize, want to perceive, behold, appropriate, possess the revelation of new dimensions of the spirit, but from the spiritual place and vantage point. They don't want to have to make any kind of move or advancement toward God in order to possess or walk in the new dimension. But when it comes to vision or sight, Our present spiritual state is much like our present physical state. It has limitations. We cannot see forever in the natural. Rather, we can only see so far into the distance. Even when flying through the firmament at 10,000 feet in a 747 on one of those days that the skies are so clear or void of clouds that it invokes the description unlimited visibility in aviation transmissions, the fact of the matter is that the visibility really is limited to what the human eye can see. Our spiritual vision in our present spiritual estate even when unfettered by clouds of unbelief, carnality, and human reason, even on our best days in our most spiritual state, is limited to being able to see only as far and as much as the Holy Spirit enables us to see and perceive. We only see in part and know in part now we are limited to the partial. In the day of perfection, when the perfect comes, when the perfect one comes and removes from us the imperfect, that is, the sin nature, then shall the limitations of our vision and visibility be removed from us. So, If we are going to behold or see the new thing God is doing, the new dimension He is wooing us to, we must leave our present place and move toward the sound of His voice by faith until we reach that place in the Spirit where the new thing begins to come into view and we can begin to behold it. All this is true with denominations and networks as well. God will not pour out the new wine of the new dimension into old wineskins, because the new wine, that is new revelation, is alive and active, and it would burst any wineskin that does not have the capacity to stretch and expand any further with the dynamic of the fermenting wine he also cannot simply sew a new unshrunk patch onto an old garment that has already shrunk as far as it can shrink, because doing so would only cause a worse tear, split, gap, or hole in the garment that a patch would be intended to repair, which would render the garment unusable. Indeed, That has been what has happened in past moves of the Spirit. The old garment, denomination or work, would not stretch with the new dynamic or dimension God brought about, which caused a major tear or split. Not all church splits are of the devil. Some are God-caused. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in the same epistle, in which he exhorted the Corinthian church that there be no divisions among you with regard to doctrine, 1 Corinthians 1.10, by inspiration of the Spirit, also declared that some church splits or separations were inevitable and necessary in order to demonstrate who was approved. For there must be also factions among you, in order that those who are approved may have become evident margin manifest among you 1 corinthians 11:19 the approved are those believers who stay positioned in the new thing new paradigm new pattern new model god is operating in currently Metaphorically speaking, in order to advance us into new dimensions of the Spirit, God often longs to give us a new suit of new spiritual perception and perspective for us to wear. Sometimes He wants to fill our closets with a whole new wardrobe of new clothes, but our aversion to new things— and our preservation and pack rat proclivity precludes us from clearing our closet out of the old, worn out, out of style, outmoded, obsolete, passe clothes, our status quo clothes, in order to make a place for and accommodate the new wardrobe. Like those Jesus described, we say the old, Is good enough, and we see no need for the new. Unfortunately, ecclesiastical institutions often seem to reflect this kind of intransigence and resistance to change. That pattern makes it necessary at times for the Lord, who is still the head of the church, to effect the change he has decreed through revolution, rather than the less violent and preferable means of evolution. When reform does not occur through evolution, then it must occur through revolution. But it must occur, because God has decreed it. In those times when reform is being resisted, the Lord sends change agents, reformers, and revolutionists, prophets, to begin to initiate change via their six-faceted ministry, Jeremiah 1.10. And when God sends in the prophets, there's going to be some stirring up, some agitation, some provocation, some friction, all the natural byproduct of movement or change. Change always begets crisis especially when change has been resisted. The greater the resistance, the greater the crisis. The most common reason institutions resist change is its constituency's personal vested interest in maintaining the status quo. Change usually is not perceived as being personally beneficial to those who have been benefiting from the current system. Institutional change always requires systemic and cultural change, which is rarely seen by the constituency as being advantageous or conducive. Thus, The Lord must send in change agents from the outside because the institution, like the individual person without Christ, is wholly incapable of changing itself. It needs a deliverer, a savior to save it from itself. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit Realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God, all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose.